Hey guys, just a quick heads up that we had some small audio issues with this episode. Ultimately, everything is still clear, so we decided to release it and not lose the episode altogether. This should be a once-off and apologies in advance. We had a lot of fun recording this one, so hopefully you still enjoy listening too. Whatever you are, whatever you're doing, stay with us as the suns get set to shine. The guy heard. Here's the jump shot. Jump to Marley. A long three. He got it. He got it. Into Booker. Here's the three. Suzanne. Sir Charles. And he flies in for a wham, bam, slam. Bravo time. He got it. Suzanne. Welcome to 7 Seconds or Less. This is a podcast about the NBA with a Phoenix Suns focus. My name is Max McCauley. I'm joined as always by my co-host. His name is David Nash. David, how are you this evening? Actually, it's morning for you, right? It is. It's afternoon for me. Uh, we're we're uh, in the future here, ready to do our uh, November awards episode. I'm, I'm currently sitting in December, whereas uh, you are back in November time, but... We're on the verge of our uh, one win per episode streak being uh, on the line here, Max. Yeah, we are. And also, uh, we don't make nearly enough time zone jokes for a podcast from USA and Australia. It could be a lot of jokes. <laughs> but yeah, so we're in the middle of the Orlando-Phoenix uh, game, as as David mentioned. We're not going to talk about it like we did last time as much, unless something crazy happens. Because uh, we have business today, David. we got to do our second annual, not annual, monthly awards episode it's not been a year since our last one although it may feel like it sometimes right <laughs> it's dragged on a little bit this season and uh we are we do have some business I- i'm looking forward to it actually i had a lot of fun digging down into this one and and as you said uh during the orlando game but we're, we're going to focus on on the month rather than the game itself yep same format as last time just david and i this time though obviously uh do the suns awards then we're also going to do the league-wide stuff uh one good team one bad team award that we made up mm-hmm. and also we're going to add one good player and one bad player so that'll be good we'll do did you know as usual and seven seconds or less First, though, David, I'm going to recap the month so far, uh, also the week, and also a little bit of news to talk about. Yeah, there is. So it's been a pretty light-on week in terms of games since we last recorded uh, during the Detroit game. But as you mentioned earlier, the Orlando game is on at the moment, and it is the last of November. So, so far this week, we've had losses to Indiana 104-109 and a loss at the Clippers 99-115. The Orlando game is... TBC at the moment, but uh, our overall record after this Orlando game, Max, will either be five and seventeen or four and eighteen. Uh, the November record, though, is is a little better. If we can pull this Orlando one out, it'll be four and eleven for the month, uh, or three and twelve if we fall. We're still, unfortunately, last in the division and last in the conference. And depending on this game, Max, and other results, we'll either be probably outright last in the league or, or maybe tied with one or two teams. I got a question for you, David. What are the odds that you will, at any point this year on this podcast, say that we're not either last in the conference or division? It's it's looking pretty tough. The conference is definitely going to be tough. Uh, the division is definitely not shaping out as we expected. I think we thought we'd be in a bit of a tussle with the Kings, but 
Uh, they're, they're forging ahead and, and showing no signs of dropping back just yet. I think, you know, we've said it all along. I don't think the win-loss total is going to really reflect how we feel about this team at the end of the season. But, uh, yeah, no surprise that it hasn't quite worked out how we expected. So uh, that's going to be a, a feature of almost every podcast, I think, Max. All right, should we get into some of this news, David? You want to talk about Markel Fultz or Frank Nielakina first? Ooh, I think we should talk about them both in in conjunction. I think yep. it's kind of a it's an interesting one with those two guys being thrown up. You know, I'm interested in both players. I'll, I'll put that on the on the table first. But you know, when these things become public, the percentage chance of them actually happening, you know, drops significantly straight away. So mm-hmm. I'm actually really fascinated by the two of them as kind of players and and their fit with the Suns. And I think it it kind of exemplifies maybe where people sit on the scale of point Booker or not, because uh, I think, you know, their fits with Booker are, are kind of on either end of the scale. Um, I, don't, I don't know how you feel about that, Max, but if we're treating Fultz as the kind of draft prospect guy, which is the only reason why you would, uh, I think, go after someone like Fultz to try and turn him back into that player, I think, um, yeah, they're, they're kind of on the opposite ends of the scale. What do you think? Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I, I think that Fultz, as a prospect, was considered to be a pretty bad defender because he, you know, didn't try at all at that in college. He's actually been mm-hmm. the, the one thing he's been like better than expected at in the NBA is is d- defending. Yeah, he's tried on it. He's he's got the size for. It. He's a big guy. I think he's like six five. He's got a decent wingspan to him. So he he's actually decent on that end. He's not Frank Nealkia on that end though, and that's. And that's kind of the point I've been trying to get across to Suns fans today because Suns fans have been, I would say, high on getting faults and low on getting Nilakina as sort of a, you know, just a generalization. I think that's fair, yeah. Yeah, and I think the reason why is because, you know, you look at uh, faults. He hasn't played very much. He's been out. I think he's played, what, 10% of his games he's been eligible for so far in his career. Yeah. So it's still kind of a mystery with him, and people are still just remembering prospect faults. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the big reason why they're, going, they're, they're more into him. Nilakina has played a lot more. And uh, he's statistically and offensively been really bad, and I think that's what people are focusing on. And understandably, I don't think everyone gets a lot of you know opportunity to watch Nilakina because not only do they not watch the next games, like they didn't watch him at all before he came over here. He was playing in the French, uh, I think, Series A that no one watched, obviously. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, I watched a little bit of him because I'm a nerd, and I watched Nilakina and fell in love with him as a prospect, which is probably why I'm a little higher on him than most, even though his offense looks bad. His shot looks projectable. I think it's going to be good at some point. Hasn't been yet. I, I, I kind of believe in it. Uh, I, I think he has a little more craft in the drill than he gets credit for. His playmaking hasn't been terrible. It's not been good mm-hmm. by any means, but it hasn't been like atrocious. And he's been the defender as advertised. So I think I think it's a worthwhile gamble to take, given that he'll cost less than Fultz in terms of his contract going forward and probably even asset value. Although that that could be close. And then also, if he pans out, he like you, I think you were alluding to is a perfect fit with Booker. Yeah, I think the money thing is worth bringing up just quickly, Max. I think Fultz uh, earns eight point three million this year and nine point seven next year, and Frank's more in the four point one and four point eight range for next year. So mm-hmm. I think you know, as a team who's trying to. Uh, preserve as much cap space as possible for free agency. Uh, I think that's worth noting because you are taking a big gamble on Fultz, at least recovering his value a little bit and, and turning more into the player that you expect for the Suns if you if you do trade for him. I think that's the only reason you would make a move. But you know, moving to Frank, I think 
you know, as I was alluding to before, I think there's two main points that I'd, I'd want to make with a move like this. The Suns are so shallow. You know, we're seeing it in this Orlando game right now with Booker and TJ out. There's just a, a, a rotation of essentially role players and, and fringe prospect guys out there. And then, uh, you know, guys like DeAndre Ayton, Trevor Ariza and, and Mikhail Bridges, who some might even still class as a project guy. But, you know, I think he's got a, a long future a career in the NBA. But, you know, when you're so shallow, I don't think you can get hung up on having other point guards on the roster already, having other role players uh, and, and project guys on the roster already. And then, you know, the other point, which, you know, is the more important one from a roster building point of view, I think Frank's perfect. You know, he's six foot five. I'm not sure whether everyone realizes that with a um, you know, even bigger wingspan. I think it's a seven you know, foot or seven and one wingspan, David. It's, it's yeah, ridiculous. And, and that's important. You know, we've talked about Bridges's wingspan quite a bit on this podcast already. You know, if he's at the three or the three four in the future, you've got Aiton who, you know, it, we have to say is a bad defender right now and doesn't project to even be a above average defender in the NBA. Uh, Booker's, you know, quite similar, although he's been trying a lot more on that end recently. So, you know, if they're your two core guys where all your points are coming from, it's really important that you have guys like Nidalekina and Bridges at the kind of one and three, the guys that can slide up, you can throw the rotations around, you can hide Booker on, you know, the weakest player in that one to three lineup. And uh, I I don't think people are are really factoring in that side of the ball enough and, and really just nitpicking at Frank's offense, which, as you said, has been bad pretty much so far in the NBA. But, you know, you can't just look at the stats to um, project that out of how he might fit next to Booker in the future. Yeah, and a point I've seen Knicks fans make, because obviously they watch a lot more Knicks than we do, is that the, the Knicks just kind of stick him in a corner yep. and they don't like do much with them. The Suns, now that they have Igor, do a little more of the motion offense, moving around thing. And the Knicks fans I've talked to about Neil Cannon have said that that would be something that would really help him to be in an offense like that. Um, and then I, I just want to uh, reinforce your point on the on the length thing. I, everyone's so jazzed about Mikel, and, and the big reason why is these deflections he gets and these steals. He's his long arms poking around. Like, don't you want two guys like that? And Nilekina is an even better on ball defender than Mikel is, at least at this point in his career. Like Nilekina is legitimately good at on ball defense, like right now. And he, I think, if he, you know, if he can stick around offensively, which is still an if at this point, I'll admit. But if he can stick around offensively, I think he's a guy who, when he's 25 or 26, will be on like all NBA defense teams. And he's that kind of defender. And if you can get that guy and Mikel surrounding Booker, building a wall around Booker, as I like to say, that's kind of what you're looking for, ideally. That's pretty much exactly what you want to build as a roster. So I agree with people who are saying it's tough to you know bring on another prospect. I get it. Like another prospect who's not great yet. We've had a lot of that in the Suns history. We have a lot of it now. Yep. But I think when you have a chance to get somebody who's just this ideal – this perfect of a fit, and for what it sounds like a pretty low price, if you believe Gambo, which you shouldn't, because Gambo is a <laughs> moron, uh, it should take the Milwaukee pick to get him. I think it'll probably take more than that, but probably not a ton more. Yeah, I do that. I do it because you know what? I, I've been I've loved Nilly Kinnis fit with Booker since I saw him the first time, and. It's just something I think would be a, a valuable move to make. Yeah, all good points by you, Max. I, I just don't think we can be too precious with this current roster, um, and I think we need to take a chance on a guy who is you know, potentially a perfect fit next to Booker. I don't think we're saying that it's a sure thing or anything like that, but as we've pointed out, that this team just needs to take these, I guess, low-risk 
gambles until they can build enough pieces around Aiton, Booker, Mikhail as the core. So, you know, the, the Orlando game has just gone into halftime with the, the Suns just down, Max, which might be a nice way to transition into this TJ injury and, and Booker troublesome toe injury and, and what we've, you know, seen very quickly in this Orlando game. But the Booker injury, I think, adds significant weight to something you've been pushing for quite a while about his uh, heavy workload and, and possibility of being a little bit injury prone, Max. Are you a little bit worried about this toe? Uh, a little bit. I'm more just sick of them playing him when he's hurt. I, we got a report before Wednesday's game against the Clippers that he was doubtful with a toe injury, mm-hmm. and then magically he was available and playing. Like, what the hell is happening? Why Why are these things happening like this? If he's hurt, don't play him. There's no point. We're we're not making the playoffs. It, it, the whole point of the season is to develop our core. And if Booker's not 100%, I don't understand why they're running him out there. I know we, I know he wants to play. I, I know Devin Booker's that way. He like he pushes to play every single time. It's the job of the organization and the medical staff and the coaches to protect Devin Booker from himself. And I'm getting frustrated that not only is he slightly injury prone, it seems like, but also they're just they don't protect him from himself. They never have, and it's, I'm starting to think they're not going to, and it's it's frustrating, David. Yeah, I think, you know, TJ was also doubtful, I believe, for, in that Clippers game, and mm-hmm. I'm definitely, I share that frustration for, from this, this game's point of view because I think whilst the the end win total at the end of the season isn't all that important, it, it is important for this team to pick up wins along the way, and if you were looking at that Clippers game on a back-to-back versus this Orlando game at home, and these kind of queries and concerns were already there with both of the guys. You know, you probably would have liked to see them both rest for the Clippers game, if anything. Yeah, that's the thing, right? They're not going to win a game on the road in the back-to-back with the, the number one seed in the West. So what are you doing? Exactly, and you know, we've we've come into Fiesta night here, wearing the city uniforms, and a, a possible win against Orlando, which they may still get, which would be great. But uh, you know, without both TJ and Booker, so it's a a little bit of mismanagement there. But I, I'm just going to put it out there max i actually love these uniforms on court on the players i think the suns have seemed to be a a little bit lazy with their city uniforms in the last couple of years when they've first been released but both of them from a, a full kit perspective and on the court i've actually liked in the last two years and i actually like this shade of purple am i on my own in this one i like the shade i like the cool little arizona flag thing on the shorts i wish they'd get a little more creative with the with the jersey yeah. but i think it's uh i think overall it looks pretty good so i think i'm with you overall yeah so we've seen Aiton be pretty impressive in the first half uh jackson as well uh, Jamal Crawford's made a few shots and made some plays, um, but we should probably talk about uh, Ali Yacobo, uh in terms of the Isaiah Kanan cut that came out of nowhere. So Ali's had to start this one with both Booker and TJ out, but he had his big game last game against the Clippers, Max. But I guess we we weren't going totally crazy, and, and the team was on the same page as us in terms of Isaiah Kanan and I reckon it looks like they probably told him he was going to lose his minutes and he just asked to be cut. What do you think? I think that's a strong possibility. We'll get into Kobo later. Okay. That's, that's a teaser. Yeah. But uh, in terms of Isaiah Cannon, the problem with him is just that he wasn't good at anything. And his minutes were total waste as soon as... So it made a little more sense to have him play when Booker was... You know, we're trying to have Booker play shooting guard. Mm-hmm. But the, the moment that Booker took over as, as point book, it just he no longer made any sense on this team. Yep, he was the pointless guard as we... Uh... He was the pointless guard. The only thing you can really give to him is that he didn't like commit a lot of turnovers. He was just super low usage and like didn't like 
actively crush you on offense, I guess. Although he didn't make any plays, so that sort of kills you in a way. Yeah. And but on defense, he just crushed you. So listen, I feel bad. I crushed the guy probably too much on here and on Twitter. He came back from a devastating injury. Wish him the best of luck. He didn't make sense on this team. Hope he makes sense somewhere else. Yeah, I, I agree with that sentiment. And, and Igor kind of, and and he both said that he's probably not even 100% yet. And, and this is just a, a pure business decision as Igor explained it to be, which I think is quite interesting. I think it probably shows a little bit of a shift in the thinking of the franchise. I think you nailed it in terms of him just being low risk on the court. And I think that's why Igor went with him a lot of the time. I think he's clearly being told he can afford some more mistakes along the way with a guy like Okobo and, and maybe even Melton, who we're seeing play in this Orlando game as well, Max. But it takes the roster to 13 spots currently, which means we have two open roster spots plus the extra two-way. Uh, and one little thing worth noting, which I'm not sure many people are aware of, is uh, you actually have to have 14 within two weeks. So I think that just falls short of the December 15 unofficial opening of the trade period because you know that's when a lot more guys can be traded so I think we're looking at you know we're going to be looking at signing someone to at least a non-guaranteed contract and we've really only got vet minimums and a little bit of the room exception still to spend max so that's a a bit of a watch this space one Carmelo Anthony <laughs> uh no but seriously though, your guy George King is going to play too many two-way games on the other side right oh, no, no no that's only if he's playing up here right yeah he's got he's got 45 days to spend with us which uh, you know, wing is one spot that we're not too shallow at at the moment. Uh, otherwise, we may have seen a little bit of George King. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't really know what they're going to do with those spots. I, I still think they're going to try to make some kind of a trade here. I don't know what it's going to be, but I imagine they're trying as we speak. They just can't find anything. And I think that's why the roster spots will probably remain open right up until that two-week deadline comes along because you never know what gets thrown at you from other teams and and having that flexibility of extra spots uh, even just to wave guys after you've traded for them is probably important to the Suns right now. Yep, that makes sense. David, shall we get into our Suns Awards? Let's do it. I'm excited. Me too. So this is the second month we've done this. Many of you probably listened to the first month. Uh, We're going to do the same awards for the Suns and David's going to rattle off what he and I uh, picked last month. Uh, for each award. So let's start with the big one, the MVP, David. What did we do for last month's MVP? We both were in the Booker camp for last month, Max, and I'm not sure about you for the month of November, but I've gone somewhere else with TJ Warren as my nomination for November, Max. How about you? I get it, but uh, I went with Booker again, but you you justify TJ. All right, well, last time I think we both went with the guy who uh, had contributed to wins. I think at that stage we maybe only had one win on the calendar and and Booker um, was a big reason for that. So, you know, this is a little bit of shift in philosophy, I think, for this award. Uh, TJ's only 2-11 and in the month of November compared to, you know, guys like Aiton and Booker and plenty of the rest of the team who are actually 3-11. and TJ missed one of our wins. But, you know, I didn't truly believe in what we were seeing from TJ in the the short kind of sample size of October. And I've got to give him credit, Max. You know, I looked at his just his November stats. He's 32.6 minutes per game. He's 51% from the field on 14 shots, 18.6 points per game, still shooting 43.6% 
on 4.23s a game max. He's got 1.2 assists and 1.2 steals per game. So, you know, I'm giving this to him purely on the fact that he's backed it up again, and I'm really impressed with with his game. So uh, he's he's the MVP for me, Max. I'm glad that you picked him because I didn't have him for any awards, but he deserves to be shouted out. Uh, he's been awesome. Uh, the three-point shooting is incredible. I can't believe he's this good at that already. It's pretty stunning, honestly. So nothing bad to say about TJ. He's been awesome. He'd be my second choice for this. And something we've we've discussed kind of privately is uh, how bad the three-point shooting would be looking on this team if we didn't get this uh, surprise opening start to the season from a guy like TJ Maxx. Good God, it would be ugly. It would be ugly. <laughs> uh, I had to go with Booker just because they're kind of the, I would say the, if you're going to name one storyline for the uh, the month, it would be the, the switch to Booker at point guard yep. and how that sort of changed the competitive level of this game because, you know, it wasn't that long ago that this team just had no chance in any game ever and it was uncompetitive and, and honestly almost impossible to watch. And the switch to Booker at point guard has been the difference. Uh, any units with him, Mikael, and Aiton in them have been pretty great. Yep. If you look at the, you know, the honor numbers of those guys, the net rating and stuff, uh, he's showing that you know he can be the primary option on a, on a decent enough team. The problem is just that you know when they come off the court, the, the bench just you know it falls off. Uh, they don't have enough good players in the team. Yep. But I, I got to get Booker the MVP. He's, I mean, again, first of all, I, I think you still agree with this. He's the best player on the team. By far. <laughs> but also, I mean, I just think that the fact that he's willing to do this, the play out of the position, you know, obviously his shot suffering as a result. Uh, he's playing injured, even though I don't want him to. It still shows, you know, goes to what he is as a, as a player. And I just can't say enough about the guy. I, it really bothers me when Suns fans criticize him, even defensively. He's been trying harder. And he's not a good defender, but he's actually trying on defense for the first time, I think, since the, that little time after Toronto took over. Yeah, he's he's really trying to lead the way, Max. And, you know, something we've noted on podcasts previously is uh, how this team really needs some on-court leadership. And something as simple as Booker uh, really trying on defense is, is something that, you know, can be a little bit of a turning point. I think you tipped the scales on this award with you noting, you know, the, the lineup change and what that's meant for the team. I think that makes a lot of sense for why uh, Booker should be the MVP. But, you know, I, the counter, I guess, to that would be TJ's play is, has really allowed them to make that change as well. Um, and having him on the wing in the starting lineup and uh, has just unfortunately robbed the second unit, as you've also noted, is very, very thin at the moment. You, you can't not not reward TJ by being in the starting lineup at the moment, but uh, it, it's definitely robbing Peter to pay Paul Max. Yeah, I still think TJ's going to be this excellent, you know, sixth man when when all said and done, like a really good team. But yep. on this team, like you said, he deserves to start. I'm fine with him starting. One thing worth noting with TJ is I think this recent uptick in play means that, you know, I agree with you, he's still a six man on a really, really good team, but these changes to his play style means that, you know, where in the past he'd be purely a six man, now he can be a six man that, you know, maybe finishes games with the starting mm-hmm. unit mm-hmm. and on a really good team. And that is definitely a big difference to, you know, the six man TJ that we used to talk about. Yeah, no doubt. It's less of like a oh, he can only play against Bench and it's more of like he's your super sub. Yeah. That can, you know, take over in certain spots. Totally agree. Uh, I, I literally have nothing bad to say about TJ. It's, this is more just about Booker. But I'm, like I said, I'm glad you brought up TJ because he deserves it. Should we move on to Rookie of the Month, which is really just the best moment from a rookie? 
for the month. It is, Max, and I think uh, last month we both uh, preached defense here. I think Melton, you specifically uh, pointed out a play in the pick and roll uh, from Melton, and, and I talked about Mikhail Bridges and his kind of length and deflections in, in multiple uh, scenarios on the court. So that's what we went with last month, Max. You alluded to it a little bit before, potentially. We may be on the same plane here. I've gone Ali Okobo's last game against the Clippers. How about you? I Very close. I was a little more specific. I said Ali Okobo's first half against the Clippers. Okay, okay. well, you tell me uh, about his first half in in comparison to the whole game. And it's not really so much that the second half was bad or anything. It was more just because the first half was so good and it was such a contrast from what we saw from Isaiah Cannon. Mm-hmm. It was like a breath of fresh air. It was like drinking a gas from water, you know, in an oasis in the desert or something like that, you know. <laughs> it was just so nice to see and it was... I, listen, Aiton, like, the reason why we don't make this rookie of the month is because Aiton should win it every month because he's the best rookie, obviously. Yeah. But in terms of like what made me the happiest and where I was the most like, oh man, thank God. It was it was that hap uh, from Okobo. Yeah, he he was impressive. I think you know for the whole game he had you know nineteen two rebounds, four assists, and and three steals uh, with three threes thrown in there. Which you know if I had to pick out a moment or more of a specific thing from the game, Max, I, I would definitely note those three threes. I I noted in my seven plays mm-hmm. of that game that you know one very specifically was a pull up, one was a catch and shoot off Booker, and another was from a pass off Booker. That he kind of you know turned into a step back so you know the variety of the way that he scored as well was really impressive and and something that you know kind of shows to the future with his fit particularly with Devin Booker on the floor I love the one coming in the second quarter if you remember he was coming from on the far side of the court when you're watching on tv and just sort of like through this really high shot off the glass. Yes. But it just kind of like barely slid off the glass and went in. That's a really hard shot. And that shows a lot of touch. Yeah, and I, I think that was after he'd hit a couple of threes and, and someone chased him off the line. So showing even, again, more versatility to kind of turn that into a, a shot in the paint was was really impressive and you know he was great in the pick and roll as well he showed some real chemistry with Holmes a couple of times uh he, he's not great defensively but he still pressed really hard and and was doing more than you know someone like Isaiah Canaan was doing yeah, so and his body is not like he's not limited defensively physically really it's just more of an effort and being in the right spot thing I think you and I both and I think most people kind of consider him more of a six-man prospect but it's not really a reason why he couldn't be a starter, is there? Uh, there's not, and the, the fit maybe, yeah, defensively with Booker overall isn't great because, uh, you know, I don't think he's ever going to project to be amazing, you know, on that end of the floor. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I just started there because uh, DeAndre Ayton caught a, a, a great alley-oop half-court pass from Josh Jackson. We've seen Ayton, f- you know, really throw it down a couple of times in this game, which is a, a great sign, you know, maybe a little bit of a turning point for him. But... Ooh, I just saw it on the way. I love the way he took it to the right hand. And it's like, oh, but I wish I could do that once in my life, David. I want to play one game of basketball on DeAndre Ayton's body. Yeah, but, you know, back to Ellie, I think you threw up a, a really great uh, historical player comp. So I, I want you to talk about that quickly because I think it really nails what we both think Ellie could be in the future and why he's potentially not, you know, a real starting point guard in the NBA. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, for those of you who are old like me, there was a player who played for the Lakers and I believe the Nuggets for a long time in the 90s and early 2000s. His name was Nick Van Exel. Yes. Uh, size about the same as Ellie Kobo, very similar at least. Probably not as athletic as Kobo, but athletic in his prime. But I, I encourage anyone who wants to see kind of like what the ideal 
uh, outcome for Ellie would be to uh, YouTube his highlights, Nick Van Exel. Uh, there's one video, I think it's five minutes long, called like Ultimate Nick Van Exel Highlights. Yeah. Just watch like a minute of that, and I think you'll see like that. He's even left-handed, David. He's even left-handed. Like it's perfect for what a combo could be. The left-handedness really brings it home. I think you can you can really see it, and I think yeah, it's a it's a great comparison and and something that yeah I think makes a lot of sense and and the reason that I think he's more of a spark plug six man rather than a kind of traditional point guard that you'd want to pair with Devin Booker kind of years down the line but you know I'm I'm not saying there's any ceiling to him at the moment it's just great to have him in the lineup and uh, as we've both noted it was it was great that he could have that game first up after the Canaan cut because uh, it, it really made us all feel a little bit better about everything, Max. So should we move on, David, to the MIP? We should. Uh, TJ Warren was both of our nominations last time round and has moved up to, to my MVP for this month. But mine for this award for this month, Max, is Rashawn Holmes. How about you? We are sharing two awards in a row, David. Great. I think, uh, you know, there's we're only playing a nine-man rotation at the moment, so it's very likely that we're going to share a lot here, but he, he deserves his moment in the sun all by himself for this award, I think, Max. Um, I think when we did the October awards, it was... Uh, right on the doorstep of Chandler being cut, if I remember correctly, kind of on the day. And Mm -hmm. we spoke very briefly about Holmes uh, going forward from that. But his month of November, Max, he's played in 14 games, averaging 16 minutes per game. He's 65% from the field on five shots, uh, which is nothing to kind of, you know, just dismiss. And 5.3 rebounds per game and 1.4 blocks. So he's a real kind of energy guy off the bench. I think a, a perfect backup to a guy like DeAndre Ayton. What have you kind of taken out of his month of November? Yeah, I'm glad you brought the blocks. I think that a signature play of this entire team, really, but especially of Holmes, is becoming those massive blocks off the backboard he gets sometimes. Just huge energy plays. The double-handers. Yes, no one else on this team does. It's just, well, maybe Josh sometimes, but mostly just for Sean at this point. And it's just, it energizes everybody. Like you said, that's, that's the word for him. It's just energy. Yeah, I think there was a double-hander last game where, uh, you know, Booker even came off the bench after a timeout, you know, showing both hands at home. So there's, there's no doubt that the team feeds off that. Absolutely. And I, I got to imagine his teammates love him. He's got to have a 100% approval rating among Suns fans, right? Like, how would you not like this guy? Yeah, you, you'd have to be uh, an angry human being to, to not like Rashawn Holmes on this team. No, but I just totally I echo everything you said. Every time he comes in the game, he plays hard, he hustles. It sometimes is a little bit of like a contrast with DeAndre Ayton. It is, yeah. Which I hope Ayton sees. Sometimes, you know, Rashawn Holmes is not as gifted as Ayton, obviously, uh, in any way. But maybe Ayton sees, hey, this guy who's not nearly as good as I am, not nearly as physically gifted, can affect this game in this way that, you know what, if I if I gave the energy he did, I could affect it even more. So I think it's positive from that end. I think it's positive from every angle. Rashawn Holmes is just... Maybe, like, he's got to be one of the, the true, like, feel-good stories about this sort of not-feel-good Sun season. Yeah, I think he's a great role model for Aiton. I think Aiton's even shouted him out in a couple of, you know, post-game interviews and stuff. So I think it, it, it's definitely being noticed. And uh, it, if it can rub off on Aiton with some of those aspects of his game, particularly around energy and things, I think, 
you know, that means only positive things. I think I noted earlier on in this Orlando game, Aiton was pretty gassed. I think he needs to uh, get his cardio up and, you know, for him to be at maximum value as a number one pick, I think he's going to have to be a guy that just doesn't stop. But mentality-wise, I think Holmes is showing him the way. And you know, I played around with the, the filters a little bit on NBA.com, Max, and, you know, for guys in November playing under 16 minutes per game, uh, which Holmes is. He's top four in points, top four in rebounds, and second in blocks only to Nerland's Knoll. So he's that's he, the whole league. That's for the whole league. So he's he hasn't what? just been impressive on this team, Max. He's been impressive kind of league wide for the role that he's playing. So I'm going to end this section with a quick question to you: What do we pay Rashawn Holmes if he keeps this up for the rest of the year? He's a unrestricted free agent. We have bird rights, but he is maybe the perfect backup to a guy like DeAndre Ayton. So, you know, what do you, what would you be prepared to pay, Max? Oh, boy. That's a great question that I haven't thought of that yet. I've put you on the spot a little. Yeah, I really want to keep him. Backup big doesn't go for very much, but he's a little more than just, like, a backup stiff. He could do some things. Yep. I kind of feel like a team would pay him $10 million a year. Yeah, I think you're, you're looking around the mid-level. Yeah, the mid-level, what, it's like nine next year probably? Yeah. So, yeah, I would, I'd probably give him the mid-level, the full mid-level. I, he's been that good, Dave. I think, I think, and also, like you said, a perfect backup for Aiden. Everyone loves him. Mama Holmes on Twitter was saying that she loves Phoenix fans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- I think you have to keep this guy, David. He's a, he's a franchise piece. <laughs> yeah, and I think if you match it up with, you know, Aiton's rookie contract, then if you're getting that production for 48 minutes a game out of the two of them together for around, you know, off the top of my head, probably $15, $16 million between the two of them, you can probably justify it. So yep. he's definitely one to watch for the rest of the season. And, and one, one more thing, David, we talk a lot of shit about a lot of things the Suns do. Can we give them a little bit of credit for going out and getting Rashawn Holmes? That was a good move. We certainly can. And we, we gave him shit earlier on in the year for not playing him after trading for him. So particularly for the month of November, we, we definitely need to give uh, the franchise and the coaching staff credit for, for plugging in uh, Rashawn Holmes because he's he's earned every minute that he's gotten. And uh, the Suns go to a timeout here from a Troy Daniels mid-range jumper. Even Daniels has entered this game, Max. It gets tough when you uh, have Booker and TJ out. you got to find scoring somewhere. Alrighty, shall we move on to David? This is sad. We just had a really fun, uplifting conversation. Can we just skip disappointing player of the month? <laughs> <laughs> we can make it the quickest of of the lot. Uh, I actually really struggled with this one, to be honest. Uh, I've actually looked back at the last episode. I think you mentioned uh, Jackson, and and I threw Chandler in there uh, as he was out the door. Uh, I didn't want to do it again with Kanan being already out the door and kind of kick him on his way out. So yeah, I, I thought about that david i think we should disqualify players who are no longer on the roster when we do this stuff yeah yeah so i have definitely unofficially made that uh decision before when i was making my notes for this i don't love nominating this player but i'm going with trevor ariza max i, I think that's it I, so i'm interested to hear your reasoning because i know that you're sort of a defender of his so i'm interested in this yeah do, what do you want to tell me who you've got first oh sure sure i, I mean mine's boring i got josh jackson double, double up that might be the first he just he doesn't seem to get it I know he's been slightly better lately and a little bit better than that even tonight, but I've still seen the same crap, David. I'm sick of it. That's it. Go on. I do want to make one note about uh, the drives to the rim, though. The the real crazy out-of-control drives are still there, but I just want to note, I've seen something from Josh in the last kind of handful of games. He's taking an extra step, and he's realizing how long he is and how much he can get to the rim for layups, and he's not kind of... 
uh, shying away from contact like he was last year and, and earlier this season. So I just want Suns fans to, I guess, take notice of that going forward maybe in the month of December because that's something that, you know, one positive I've seen from him in the last handful of games, as I said, Max. But I'll jump into Trevor Ariza. As I said, I don't love throwing him up. Uh, he, he's kind of a team worse plus minus 8.1 at the moment. Uh, so an easy one to cherry pick there. He's only shooting 37 from the field. Still a respectable 36 from three, which is, you know, on 5.5 attempts, which is where most of his attempts are coming from. So that's kind of definitely tanking it. But, you know, there has been moments where he's looked pretty out of control going to the basket and things and, and just doesn't have the creativity to finish on some of those drives when he's chased off the three-point line. But, you know, just to, I guess, give him a little bit of a chop out, uh, he's still taking all the hardest defensive assignments and doing a pretty good job. And, you know, as we've always noted, he's going to look better as the team looks better, Max. But if you had to go one way or the other on him being traded this season, how do you feel about it right now? Can I say traded or bought out? Off the team in general, I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, I feel, per- I feel pretty, if I had to bet a large quantity of money on it, he would not be on the team the whole season. Okay, yeah, I, I, I'm... Going back and forward on this one, I, th- I think it really needs to be a scenario where both player and team are happy with him moving on maybe around the trade deadline. I, I definitely don't think we're going to see him move on anytime soon as a lot of people have um, talked about, you know, around when guys can be just dis- traded around. I'm not totally sure I agree with that, David. And here's why. I think I made this point in an earlier podcast. I think he's our best like, asset, not our best asset, but best like kind of asset for getting a point guard. Yeah. And I do think that's something they still want to do. Yeah, and this is where I kind of flip-flop on it. I think when people are playing around with the trade machine, he's definitely the one to continually go back to because he is the best asset both kind of money and value-wise. But uh, I'm just not convinced they're going to do that kind of a move, Max. But um, I guess you never say never in the NBA, and you've got to give something to to get something. So we may see it happen. Yeah, and I think there's also a decent chance he uh, gets sick of this and asks for a buyout in January. So we'll we'll see. Um, There's a chance he also sticks around. Uh, We have one more award to do, David. This is the player we want to see play a little bit more. Yes, so last time you mentioned uh, DeAnthony Melton, who has got in this game against Orlando, and and my go was Rashawn Holmes, who's definitely got the minutes that he's deserved and and worked his way into uh, the most improved player award for both of us this month. But yeah, this is a funny one for me, and and maybe I'll uh, get lucky twice in a row, but you know, watching this Orlando game, Basically, everybody has played in this game other than the guy that I'm nominating, which is Dragon Bender. Oh, wow. I can't wait for this. <laughs> Who have you got? I'm staying on brand. I'm staying up again. Yeah, and I think that was, uh, you know, that's another one to definitely pull, and it's been great to see him in this game, even though it's maybe less to do with the overall rotation and, and more to do with the injuries tonight. But I guess my thing with Bender here, Max, is it kind of feeds off my disappointing player of the month nomination in Trevor Ariza. Igor's been forced to play Ariza and TJ 100% of the time at power forward at the moment, and I think that's actually really affected the rotations overall and why we saw things like Kanan and Crawford both sharing the floor together at the guard spots and things like that. So I just think if they can throw Bender in, you know, I guess as we've seen with Anderson tonight, 
Uh, he seems to be ahead of him in the rotation. But if they can throw Bender in, he can shoot a little, he can defend a little. You know, we're one of the, the worst rebounding teams. Dragon's not exactly a noted rebounder, but he is one of another uh, few seven-footers on the team, Max. So, yeah, I just want to see them give him a go, particularly when the rotations are looking, you know, so tough for Igor. And But I think I might be off on this one, considering he can't get on the court in this game, and, and just about everyone else can, Max. Like, I don't really know why he's not playing tonight. He must be, I guess, that bad in practice. I don't know. But the problem, you can't play him when he's doing the, the crap where he just, like, passes up absurdly open shots, and just, like, dribbles and just loses a lot of bounds. You don't have, like the dumb bender crap, you know what I mean? You can't really play him when he's doing that stuff, so I get that. Yeah, maybe they should give him more blowout minutes, I guess, and, and minutes in games like this where there's no one else. But I just want to see him and Aiton on the floor. Just you know, even if it's for a few minutes a game until we see that it doesn't work or anything. I'm just I'm really intrigued by seeing the two of them on the floor, but we we may be robbed of it a little because Igor seems pretty locked into his nine-man rotation for now, at least while the team's healthy. Yeah, why the hell not? We're 4-17. Let's do it. <laughs> Anthony Melton, I'm not going to reiterate the points I usually make on him. Everyone knows I love him. Yep. I'm just going to say that I, I'm not saying that I want to see him as a point guard even. I just think that, you know, when we have our, our creators now, right? Booker's the point. Uh, Kobo plays a little back of it, and then Crawford handles the playmaking sometimes too. Yeah. I think Melton makes some sense just being out with those guys. Like, he's a great defender, and let him do the shooting spot up stuff. Like I just give him some off guard minutes. Like before, the problem was it was Cannon doing that, which made no sense at all. Mm-hmm. At least he's gone now. But still, David, am I crazy? Am I just like so like over the moon with this project Melton that I'm not seeing something? I think you you know you definitely saw things in him as a prospect that you'd like to see on the floor because the Suns definitely need it. Obviously, we have to think that if he's not getting on the court, that you know either the Suns are just incredibly dumb or they're just not seeing them those you know same things in practice and you know we kind of have to back them in a little bit until uh, proven otherwise but yeah I think it's a good point and, and something I didn't mention in the kind of frank conversation at the top of the show with the rotations that we've seen Igor play uh, you know having those Kane and Crawford minutes often having three guards uh, on the court uh, you know two guys with Booker just for extra creativity I think Melton's a guy just like Frank would be of why you don't get caught up in those traditional position conversations and uh, I think you, you know, just think about pairing guys with your best players on the court. And I think Melton can definitely slide in there for some defensive minutes and, and to, you know, take a little bit of pressure off Booker. So, yeah, even if it is as a third guard in a lineup, Max, I think we should definitely be seeing more DeAnthony Melton as well as Elia Kobo. David, should we go ahead and let's move on to Did You Know before we get into the league-wide awards? Before we do it, Max, I just want to note that Jamal Crawford has been fouled on three-point attempts uh twice in a row here so uh he, he's really isn't he the all-time leader in four-point plays or at least in the top three he is so uh with my username on twitter uh i'm gonna shout him out every time he has a four-point <laughs> play or, or even gets fouled on a three that he misses max but we are about to hit the month of december with many suns fans hoping for a trade very soon max as we've discussed recently, December 15 is sort of the unofficial trade opening in the NBA. But did you know the last significant trade by Phoenix in the month of December was way back in 2010? In fact, Ryan McDonough only made one December trade during his time in the Valley, and that was to ship Anthony Tolliver off to Detroit for Tony Mitchell in 2014. But of course, before him came the infamous Lance Blanks, who orchestrated a December trade with none other than our opponent tonight, the Orlando Magic. 
Max, if I told you we sent out Earl Clark, Jason Richardson, and Hedo Turgoglu, do you want to take a guess at at least one of the guys that came back our way? Was that the Vince Carter trade? It was. Hey, how about that? You got any others? Oh, God. Uh, no, I just remember thinking that day, oh, my God, did we really just trade for Vince Carter, who's still in the league eight years later. Which I was uh, laughing at a lot because I remember watching Vince in the Suns uniform and thinking he was done then. So the fact <laughs> that all these years later he's still in the league is very funny. But oh, wait, wait, go tight, go tight. Yep, it was Marcin Cortat, currently with the Clippers. Vince Carter, as you also guessed, who is somehow still playing in Atlanta. Mikhail Pietras, Cash, <laughs> and a 2011 first-round pick, Max. That was the total package that the Suns actually received back, and we'll get to that first-round pick in just a minute. But in terms of December moves to kickstart your team, the trade was the definition of a nothing move, Max. The Suns were 12-13 and 13 prior to the trade on December 18th, and went 28 and 29 the rest of the way to finish at 40 and 42 on the season. So literally no movement there. Some of my earliest tweets, just real quickly, my earliest tweets uh, when I first got Twitter were just just trashing Martian Gortat when I had like three followers. <laughs> I'm not a fan. I'm going to scroll back or, or do a search to find some of those after this episode. Uh, but the team missed the playoffs, Max, as they have continued to do ever since. But somehow Blanks held on to his job for a couple more seasons and McDonough for another five after that, all through this current playoff drought. But back to that 2010 season quickly, in digging around about the trade, I found a great story about our current head coach, Igor Kokoskov. Igor was, of course, an assistant with the Suns at the time, and a story had noted that he, as well as Goran Dragic and the newly acquired Gortat, all spoke Serbian. It went on to explain that a couple of years earlier, when Shaq was in the purple and orange, Igor had actually helped Shaq learn how to say both switch and fight over in Serbian, which O'Neal then went on to surprise Goran with on the court when they were defending a pick and roll together. That's awesome. Gotta love Shaq. Funnily enough, Max Goran was a part of the next move in 2010 that Blanks made. At the deadline in February, Blanks traded the Slovenian point guard I know for who. plus the first round pick that I mentioned before. For Aaron Brooks. Correct. I think most Suns fans know how that story continued for Goran and Phoenix after that, but what about that first round pick? Well, Max, that pick became number 23 in the 2011 NBA draft, and the Rockets selected a player that we both have our sights on for the Suns next year. Any guesses who that was? Patrick Beverly? No, Nikola Miritich. Oh, wow. He was drafted in 2011, huh? Yep, Miritich was traded a couple more times before he even entered the NBA and eventually came over to the Chicago Bulls in 2014. You know I love taking these things full circle, Max. So after the Miritich tidbit, I'll leave you with one more funny coincidence of sorts to round this did you know out. The last move Blanks made as GM was another trade with the Houston Rockets. He sent a second round pick to Houston for Marcus Morris. That second round pick became pick 34 in the 2013 draft, and the Rockets selected a six-foot combo guard from Murray State University by the name of Isaiah Kanan. In 2015, Kanan was traded again to Philly along with a pick. That pick became Rashawn Holmes. And in 2017, 
in the month of December, no less, Ryan McDonough signed Isaiah Kane and Max. You really on some things sometimes, don't you? <laughs> Max, hopefully any December and or deadline trades can turn out better for the Suns in 2018 as they did in 2010. And hopefully they will include a point guard coming back rather than going out. But for now, I think we should jump into some around the association stuff and have some more fun with awarding fake trophies to teams and players this time, Max, within the NBA. Well, uh, as far as us being better than back then, at least Lance Blanks is not here anymore. That's That would be hell for me. Yeah, we, we got rid of him and, and another GM along the way, and uh, I guess now we don't even have one. So, But that's probably still better than Lance Blanks. <laughs> I would rather just have a random like a random dice be thrown against the wall or something. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, some, some other random generator for a GM. But uh, anyway, let's move on. So yeah, as you mentioned, we're going to do league-wide awards here. Last time we just did one good team, one bad team, and made mm-hmm. up awards for them. We're going to do that plus uh, a good player and bad player this time. Um Let's start with teams, David. Do you want to give your good team first? I will, and I'm going to do this uh, in a unique way that I love to do. You know, I love putting you on the spot, Max. So I'm going to say my very long-winded award, and I'm going to see if you can guess it before I nominate who it is. I'm going to do the same, man. That sounds fun. All right, let's do it. So my first award is the sitting on pocket aces, do you slow play or do you go all in award, Max? Who do you think that might be? Uh, I almost think it might be kind of mine. No, I don't know. I don't want to guess. Tell me. It's the Toronto Raptors. Oh, interesting. Okay, explain. So you think they're like not quite there, but they're like one move away? Well, they're 19 and 4 and at the top of their conference, Max. But you're sitting there with Kawhi. You know, you've got to keep him. And the best chance to do that is to just have the absolute best season possible mm-hmm. in Toronto. So they've got Powell, Wright, Vell, OG Ananobi, Fred Van Viet, Pascal, that are all playing 15 minutes or above a night. And then you've got Kawhi, Lowry, Abaka, and, and Danny Green. And I just think that's too many really valuable guys and... Yeah, I think that Masai has to maybe make some all-in move here. Who's the guy? Because I don't think you can trade Lowry or Kawhi or Siakam. Those guys are too good. Yep. So you're trading maybe Van Vliet's on a pretty good deal. Maybe him and somebody else. Maybe you're trading OG, although OG's really good. Who's like, who are you targeting, I guess? I guess is the way to look at it. I think if you keep Kawhi long-term, you've got to be prepared to uh, let OG go. So he would be... I guess the prize piece, maybe along with some draft picks, but I've got a a big random name here for you who earns quite a bit of money, so you'd probably have to throw maybe Powell or JVal into match salaries. But you ready, Max? Yeah, let's do it. What is it? Kevin Love. Ooh, interesting. Okay, so your crunch time lineup there is Lowry, Green, Kawhi, yep. Siakam, Love. Yeah. So you're maybe you're throwing a Baka in the trade. Potentially. Obviously, I haven't really thought about what Cleveland might want out of a trade like that. But, you know, if they look to blow it up and, and trade someone like Love, you know, it's probably more around young pieces and draft picks and, and then just salary. But I just think scoring-wise in the playoffs, I think particularly if you hold on to Pascal and, and you know, with Kawhi and Lowry, you've got all the defense that you need, Danny Green as well. Mm-hmm. I just think there may be a scorer short and a, and a deep threat short. So uh, that would be my all-in move for the Toronto Raptors. I got one for you, and this is kind of easy because it's been the news. Bradley Beal. Ooh, yeah, that's, that's a good point. 
I, I like that one too. But I'm totally with you, man. This team is. I mean, they're they're going to make the finals probably anyway. But one more like really good move could put them over the top, and I, they're probably not beating the Warriors unless the Warriors are hurt mm-hmm. in some way. But I, they could definitely get there. And Kawhi's going to have a hard time leaving a finals team, so I like it. Exactly, exactly. Who have you got for your good team, or or do you want to nominate the award? I'll, yeah, I'll let you guess. I'm going to have you guess. Uh, this is a tough one, though, because it can literally apply to a lot of teams. Wait, can these guys really make the playoffs? It could apply to a lot of teams. I'm thinking it's going to be the... Oh, I guess it could be the East with how open it is. But... I'll give you a hint. One hint. Okay. I'll give you two hints. They're in the West, and they're 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. Okay, I was going to go West. I don't know about record, but I'm going to say the Dallas Mavericks. It is the Dallas Mavericks, David. Yes. 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. Yeah, they're... they're... They're clicking. They're clicking. That bench unit is great. They blew out Houston with their bench unit. Berea's killing it. The, the guys around him are great. Luka Doncic, I know he's a sore subject uh, among a lot of Suns fans, but he's been really good, particularly for the role he's playing. Uh, exactly as we thought he'd be, Max. Exactly as you and I, you and I were banging on the drum, man. It, it's Having a six foot eight playmaker allows you to get away with a lot of things. You don't have to have a point guard on the floor. Uh, but the big question I have, and it's funny because it's the same question you had. Is this a team that's primed to make a big trade? They do have a lot of middling pieces. And, you know, I think it was maybe Zach Lowe and Kevin Arnovitz who pointed out that uh, Carlisle just manages to always put some weird bench unit together that's really good mm-hmm. uh, with, you know, guys like J.J. Barea, Devin Harris is always in there and, and a few others. But, yeah, if they're knocking on playoffs, I think got DeAndre Jordan's big uh, one-year deal. And Wesley Matthews. Yeah, and, and it's Dirk's last year and. uh They've always said that they kind of owe it to Dirk to, to compete as hard as they could. So, yeah, I think it's it's not a bad call. And a point made on the uh, Bill Simmons podcast is, unless they're in the top five, which they probably won't be, they don't have their pick. It goes to Atlanta. So why the hell not try for the playoffs? Yep, I like it. I like it. All right. What's your bad team, David? This one should be pretty obvious for you. The award is called, Is the Dynasty Finally Over, Max? The San Antonio Spurs, David. Yep. It's depressing. Uh, even as a Suns fan who has never liked the Spurs. But uh, I saw this quote earlier this week from Pop uh, where he said that there's no basketball anymore and there's no beauty in it. And that just made... (laughs) Yep, he was talking about all the threes in the league and it not being played the way that he's used to. And uh, that just reads to me like a a guy who's who's ready to go. So they're 10 and 11, uh, lots of blowouts, a couple of questionable off-seasons the last couple of years and... No real, you know, big true star or emerging talent on the roster. So, yeah, I, I think they might be done, Max. Yeah, and listen, Pop, one of the best coaches of all time, if not the best, but it's pretty clear they've been making moves to be kind of win now still with him in mind. I'm guessing he is kind of the GM. Yep. I think it makes sense for him to retire. Maybe retire. He's going to be 2020 Olympics coach, right? Maybe retire from the Spurs, focus on that, and then just kind of retire for good. Because, yep. yeah, right now the Spurs, they got to stop making moves with win now in mind. They're not a win now team. Yeah, I think all the stars are aligning, as you said, with the way that they are pictured at the moment and yet uh, Pop's involvement with Team USA. I, I think it's something that we need to be preparing ourselves for. All right, my bad team awards another one you're going to be able to guess very, very easily. <laughs> <laughs> the award name is actually, wait, can we get that pick back? Ooh, you've put me on the spot here with saying that I should get it easily and now I'm... Uh... Well, by the way, so to make it clear, I, I'm the Suns asking this question. Miami Heat? Yeah. The Miami Heat, yep. uh, losing to some not great teams. They're they're just really bad. And the problem with them is like they're not bad with like a future. They're not Atlanta, you know. They're not us. 
They're bad with a bunch of middling players on bad contracts. It was kind of supposed to be Jimmy Butler, but that trade fell through, it sounds like, because of Thibodeau and, and uh, Patrick Riley's kind of hubris. Yep. <laughs> now, what are they going to do? Are they gonna, I've heard suggestions they'll trade for John Wall, which is not a solution. So, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's bad. Yeah, and I think they'll continually be rumored to disgruntle you know, stars or, or bad contracts mm-hmm. because that's kind of the position that they're in. But uh, thank God that that pick's still a couple of years away, Max, because, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we'd be sweating if it was, you know, potentially this draft or, or maybe even next, but never bet against Miami long-term or, or Pat Riley. But uh, kind of like the Spurs, he's he's kind of been setting them up to, you know, maybe sail off into the sunset and, and leave them in uh, not too good a shape. But uh, it'll be an interesting one to watch. It will be. Uh, all right, David, how about... So now we're going to move to players now rather than teams. Do you want to do your good player first? Yep, I'll go with the award name here, and it is Love Seeing One of My Favorite Players Shine Award. That's not giving you a lot of clues, <laughs> uh, but I will I'll give you the clue that he is a prominent player on a team that you have been really rooting for this season, Max. So he must be at OKC. Adams? No, Paul George. Oh, okay. Well, I do have to be OKC. Yep, so they're 14 and 7 now. Uh, I was looking earlier today. It might change very quickly even by the time someone listens to this podcast, Max, but Paul George currently has a career high in points, assists, steals, blocks, rebounds, and three-pointers made, Max. Whoa, really? That's nuts. It is completely nuts, all while probably being the best defender on the team that I think is currently the best defensive team in the league. So They are, yeah. Wow, that is, that's incredibly impressive. I did not know that. He's, he's lost a step, there's no doubt about that, and I'd love his percentages to go up a little bit. And as I said, maybe some of those numbers will come down because they're probably inflated a little bit from uh, the time that Russell Westbrook was out of the lineup to start the season. But he is having a really, really good year, Max. And uh, David, I, I, I know that OKC got up to an 0-4 start, and I was ridiculed a little bit for that. They're one game behind one seed right now, and if I had to guess, man, that team's going to be a top four seed, David. They look really good. They've got a couple of superstars, and, and any time that a team is doing it on the back of being a really good defensive team, you, you have to take Translates, them. you know. It goes to every single game. You don't lose it. So, yeah, good defensive teams tend to be consistent. Yep. What have you got for us? Alright, my award is called and I'll give you a hand. He's playing against the Sun tonight. The award is called Can't Pronounce His Name, But Love His Game. Uh, you've made it very easy there for me. It's Nikola Vucevic. It's it's Nikola Vucevic, which I can't say. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I think both, either one of us got it right or we both got it wrong just then, Max. <laughs> exactly. I'm sure we'll get a bad review letting us know. I think that people who play fantasy basketball know how good Nikola Vucevic has been. Yep. I certainly know I do when I play against him. But for those of you who don't, who aren't nerds and just watch the Suns, here's his stats this season. He's got 21 points per game, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, blocking a steal, 55% from the floor, 41% from three, 59% efficient field goal percentage, yep. and he has 11th in RPM right now, which is like the advanced metric thing. It usually punishes bigs who are, can't play defense. So he's really just kind of good at everything, David, and I think he's the big reason why the Magic are overachieving. And right on cue, Max, he just hit a big three to <laughs> yes, uh, probably put the nail in the coffin of this game against Orlando as there's a bit of a lid on the other end of the rim. Uh, DeAndre just that blew a, a big dunk in transition. So uh, he, I don't know what his total stats are for tonight, but he's been a handful. And I'll throw a, a random thing at you here, but you know he could be essentially what DeAndre Ayton becomes 
uh, at his ceiling if particularly we don't get the uh, defensive improvement out of him. That's an interesting point. I kind of like that. It's almost like an encouraging thing because Nikola Vucevic is somebody who is who's basically cast off as being you know a relic, somebody who didn't make sense in this NBA, and he put up stats on fantasy teams. Yeah, a good stats guy. But this year he's showing that wait no maybe this guy's just like so damn good offensively that it, it's going to matter. And just to, just to point out, uh, you asked his stat line this this game. He's twenty two and twelve, two assists, ten for seventeen from the field, two or four from three. Yeah, there you go. He was kind of categorized as that walking double double that uh, was kind of empty numbers, which we've seen thrown around with Aiton. But you know, he's shown that he can pass. Uh, he's added a three pointer to his game over the last couple of seasons. That's you know really come to the fore in in this season, as you said, with those numbers. And his defense uh, has at least improved a little bit. Uh, I don't know how much that has to do with a guy like Steve Clifford or or just his improvement overall. But uh, yeah, something I've just stumbled into there. But I think it's a, a worthy thing worth noting and and something worth noting in terms of DeAndre's long term development. Max, I really like it. Uh, it actually you just gave me like a little bit of encouragement. Because I, I think I'm probably one of the more, I don't know, I don't want to say I'm low on DeAndre. I think he's really good. I'm probably lower than most Suns fans are. But Nikola Vucevic kind of gives a nice little rosy picture for what he could be, even if he never becomes like a defensive stalwart. Yep. Should we go to my bad player, Max? Let's do it. All right. This one should be pretty easy as well. You wanted the best player gone, but then you got worse award, Max. Uh, I don't know why I'm blanking. This should be easy. It's uh, in the West. Andrew Wiggins, Max. Butler was traded November 10. Minnesota are 7-2. and two. Carl Anthony Towns seems to be thriving. But you're ready for it in the games since Butler has been traded, Max. Wiggins is averaging 12.8 points per game on 32% field goal percentage. That is just... Um, abominable. That's the only word I have for that. Yep. And, and I, I actually, did you listen to the Ringer podcast today? Because they talked about Wiggins and they had an insane stat. I did not. What did, what did they tell us? Hopefully it adds to my my evidence. Oh, it's 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 right up on the evidence, man. Uh, it's in the modern NBA. So I think it was like 1960 or something like that. It was like basically at the last 50 years. Mm-hmm. And it was the, the three players who were the lowest two-point field goal percentage. And it's D. Brown in his like, lockout season, Brandon Jennings in his rookie season, and Andrew Wiggins this season. Oh, God. I got nothing more to say on that, Max, other than he you know, had a couple of good games straight away when Butler was gone, and it has been a complete disaster since, as all those stats allude to. So uh, let's go to your last bad player award. Okay, my last one. And, David, I, I'm going to pay you back for all those times you put me in the spot with impossible questions. <laughs> Here we go. This play was not even bad. That's why it's hard. But uh, the award's called, um, guys, I'm still here. That is impossible, and you could probably give me a million clues, and I still wouldn't get it. But, uh, nah, you're going to have to give it to me. It's Ben Simmons, David. Ooh. I, so, I'm so mad, because I think I may have tweeted this once, but I didn't get in the podcast yet. I had this hot take that I was going to put out there, and I'll make it hot again, but I, I, I have a warmer upper I'm going to do later. I was I had a hot take where I think Ben Simmons is not long for Philly anymore. Ooh. It, it just seems like Joel Embiid's, uh, it's Joel Embiid's team now, and God damn it, Bill Simmons stole this like I, I a podcast this week, and I was so mad when I heard him say it, I was going <laughs> to say it today. But I, I really think that now that Joel Embiid, it, it, Ben Simmons is really just kind of falling to the wayside, which is unfortunate because, yeah, he's an incredible player and he's really good. And it's not like he's been bad this year. Mm-hmm. He hasn't gotten better, which is kind of a disappointment for a second-year player. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but it just kind of feels like this is turning into a B situation. And I'll let you comment in a second. I'm just gonna I'm gonna differentiate myself from Bill Simmons and make, and make my point here, my hot take. Ben Simmons is gonna become the first player, as far as I'm aware, first player in NBA history to demand a trade on his rookie contract. Wow. I think he wants to go to LA. I think he's gonna want to go be with LeBron. They're in the same agency. They love each other. He calls himself Prince. LeBron calls himself King. Philly's like not his city anymore. He's dating Kendall Jenner. He's gonna, it just kind of feels like where he wants to go. And I think it's going to be sooner rather than later. And one last point, and I'll let you talk. You can only get a Super Rex from the team that you were drafted by or a team you were traded to on your rookie contract. Yep, and you can have no doubt that Clutch Sports knows that rule and um, will be pushing for it if he certainly isn't happy in Philly. Uh, I'm not sure I'm that down on it, but I do think you make some good points and connect a lot of the dots there. So, And you know, a lot of people have noted that the Simmons-Embiid relationship as something um, you know worth continuing to watch so you throw Butler in the mix there I think this offseason is the last chance they get to add another significant piece with salary cap room before Simmons is eligible the next offseason for his extension if I remember correctly so uh, in terms of it coming true we're probably within a you know, twelve-month timeline of of where we start seeing uh, the dots connect more and more, Max. So uh, I will let you gloat forever and a day if you get that one right. <laughs> Thank you. I probably won't, but uh, I'll take it if I do. <laughs> uh, all right, Dave. I think that's it for our awards. You ready for some seven seconds or less? I am, and I'll just note we've two minutes left in the Orlando game here, so we've uh, timed it pretty perfectly. And uh, this one's over, unfortunately. That the Suns just couldn't score, so. Uh, I'll look forward to going back and watching it a little bit more in depth as we've kind of just had one eye on it during recording here, Max. But uh, unfortunately, we couldn't get a win while recording a podcast. Anyway, on to less depressing subjects. <laughs> Seven seconds or less is a segment where one of us asks the other three questions for which the other only has seven seconds or less to answer and also hasn't prepared for the questions. David, it's my turn to ask you the questions this week. Are you ready? Always. These are pretty easy. Uh, they're just pick ones, basically. You pick one or the other. Okay. Pretty simple. First one, pick your guy or my guy going forward, De'Aaron Fox or Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I'm going to go my guy, SGA. I think what he's shown so far already, even though Fox has been damn impressive... I just like SGA a little bit more as a kind of two-way operator um, and, and real floor general. I would take either guy in the Suns very easily, but uh, yep. De'Aaron Fox is my guy, yep. so I'll take him. Uh, all right, this is similar to, not similar to, but it's related to my bad player. Pick one, David. The Philly guys, Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid. Oh, man. This is a really difficult one. Obviously, I'm a little bit biased, but I still think you've kind of got to err on the side of caution with Embiid's health. So I still think they're close enough talent-wise that I, I'm I'm going with Ben Simmons. Yeah, I definitely get that. And he also is just a little more unique. He does the whole big guy defense uh, playmaking thing. But yep. I think I go Joel Embiid just because he's Shaq. So that's why I'm taking Joel Embiid. <laughs> All right. Last one, David. This is the Suns one. Pick one for the Suns. Okay. Elliot Como, Markel Fultz, Frank Nilakina, or DeAnthony Melton? Wow, that is tough. But I love that you've thrown it in there to tie out this episode because it uh, wraps up a lot of what we've spoken about. 
Um, with contracts mattering, Max, I, I, I think I have to not go with Markel Fultz, although I'm, I'm really tempted. I love him as a rehab project just because of how damn good he was as a draft. Well, his talent level is, yeah. is insane. Yeah, and, and would be a great match with Devin Booker, so it's really hard for me not to pick him. Um, but... No, you know what? I'm talent. Talent wins everything, Max. I'm going Markel Fultz. I like the answer. I thought about doing that. Uh, I'm a crazy person who is obsessed with his own opinions, <laughs> and I'm going with Frank Nilakina because I've loved him for a long time and always thought he's a deal with Booker. So that's my answer. Let's hope that uh, you know, maybe one of them joins the Phoenix Suns because it would be it would be nice to have a a guy to at least test after having all these conversations about. Uh, you know, proper team building and, and how you build around a guy like Devin Booker, Max. Yeah, it'd be fun. And one other thing I want to say is uh, we like Elliot Cobo and DeAnthony Melton a lot too. That's why this was so hard. So don't be mad at us yep. for picking the guys who aren't on the team. To be fair, Raquel Fultz was number one overall. Neil Keenan was ninth overall. Elliot, or eighth overall. Uh, and Elliot Cobo and Nathan Butler were second rounders. So the fact that they're even in this conversation is really good. Yep. And I think, you know, if we hold on to them, one of them's hopefully going to come to the fore and, uh, either be a good partner to Booker or, or be, you know, just another a great guard in the rotation. Uh, hopefully both of them, Max. I don't think that we can even discount both of them plus another guy being great in the rotation, which we didn't get to too much in depth, but I've, I've seen a few people be worried about how you carry all those guys going forward. I don't actually necessarily think it would be a problem if they were all worthy of minutes, Max. But that's it for us today, David. You can follow me. At MaxMCC11 on Twitter. You can follow David at The Four Point Play on Twitter. Please rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps us out. David, thank you for joining me. As always, this was a really fun one. Yep, the uh, the streak's over. The one win per episode streak is over, unfortunately, Max. Hopefully, we can pick up two in a week to offset that in the future. But we're at 44 uh, five-star reviews on US iTunes. It'd be great to hit 50 really quickly, Max, and up to 10 here in Australia. So I'd actually love to know just how many Australian listeners we do have. So if they all go rate and review, it would tell us exactly how many people are listening down here in my country, Max. Yes, I agree. And two things I'll throw out real quick before we end here. One, uh, I'm going to throw the same challenge out. If you give us a review after this episode, we will read it. Yep. Two, we might not have an episode next week, David. We're not sure yet. We might not record next week. We might skip one week just to let you guys know. Uh, if we do that, I'm sorry, but we'll come back the next week and we'll give you a refund for next week's episode. <laughs> and we've gone pretty long on this one, so we've paid a little bit in advance already, Max. Exactly, yeah. We deposited a little bit. But anyway, thanks, David. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it as always. 